a rich tradition. College Football Podcast is now live. Hello and welcome to a rich tradition college football podcast. I'm Spencer Van Horn. He's Robbie Stoltenpole. Two friends, one love, and that is college football. Rob, we finally got to opening weekend, as Marty Smith put it, or, or the grand opening, uh, as Marty Smith put it, as uh, last week was, or these last couple of weeks were just a soft opening. This past weekend was a grand opening. The SEC was back in action. We had a full slate of games, and it was great and glorious. You uh, you had 17 screens to watch it on there in your neck of the woods, didn't you? <laughs> I, it was three or four. Uh, a week ago, my wife, being so generous as she is, um, purchased purchased me a, a, an additional smaller TV to hook up to our Apple TV so I could watch have another screen to watch on. Um, so she she's she's pretty amazing in that way. Um, but no man, it, it was uh, it was great. And as we the analogy we used last week about college football being a mistress, it was definitely she was definitely invited into my house uh, this weekend <laughs> and it was great. Yep, uh, college football was in full effect. We're going to get to some of that uh, here in a little bit as we recap some of those ball games. But uh, there's been a couple of news notes. We're recording on a Wednesday, so uh, there's been a couple of news notes this week. Roberto, uh, jump into the few news notes we wanted to mention here uh, th- uh, today. Well, I, I think just first and foremost, uh, we'll mention that J.D. Daniels is cleared to play. Um we don't know what that means as far as him starting or not this this upcoming weekend, uh, but we do know that he is cleared to play. He was fully dressed out on um, on Saturday, and Kirby said Monday morning that that was because they were expecting him to get cleared uh, Saturday morning, and when he didn't, he was just he was there, you know, looking pretty. Um, the second piece of news, and this is kind of a bigger deal, is that the SEC had an emergency meeting tonight, and uh, the ADs got together and agreed to um, a special transfer waiver for the 2020 season. Um, for those that don't know, the SEC kind of has this like blanket rule that they do not they, – they don't want to endorse individuals tra- transferring within conference and being able to play immediately. Um, I actually am okay with that rule. Um, I, I'm fine with players transferring and getting to play immediately, but I just – I do believe within conference like there should like, – there has to be some kind – there has to be some kind of like stipulation – you know, eventually about some of these things. Um, with that said, um, they announced that Joey Gatewood is going to be approved. They announced that Cade Mays, uh, Tennessee is going to be approved. Uh, they don't know yet about Ole, about Ole Miss's uh, Otis Reese, who's transferring from Georgia. Apparently the NCAA has not approved him yet. And so for those that don't know, especially in the SEC, you have to be approved by the NCAA to, to um, approval of your waiver and its conf- and the conference. So tonight, it, it just kind of seems like everyone's going to get approved this year um, if you're transferring within the SEC. Yeah, and for the most part, that seems to make sense, I think, across the board. Everybody seems to be, um, you know, everybody, at least for this season, everybody seems to be fairly okay with that, uh, knowing that the pandemic has been the way that it is. And, um So they're going to allow those things to go through, and uh, good for Joey Gatewood mm-hmm. and good for Cade Mays and Whoever else is going to get an opportunity to play, uh, I think I agree with you, though, that and it's, to some degree it's we want to make sure that it gets managed. And with that said, we would love for it to be managed for, for coaches as well in terms of how they just get to jump around also. We don't want to ignore that part of the conversation. But, yeah, uh, players will be ready to play and uh, good for them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I think this is a good thing. You know, especially in this just this weird year, um, this is a really good thing. So, yeah, 
uh, that, that's all. That's all I really got for big news items. A couple of other pieces will be come out as we uh, as we talk about new games coming up. So, did you see the uh, college football playoff reject Larry Smith's expansion? Of yeah. The playoff? Yeah. I didn't know if you saw that or not. I only saw sort of the headline, and he had mentioned something about eight games, and it sort of felt like off the off the top of it, it sort of feels like, hey, we made a mistake. Can you slow down so that we can catch up? And I think a lot of people who took it that way or who might take it that way, and they do this with the Big Ten also because of, you know, stopping and then coming back around, um, you know, they sort of get their – they get in their feelings about it as, no, you you guys thought you were better than everybody and thought you were going to be more, you know, you know uh, more sophisticated than everybody and you were going to take the high road and you were better than us. And so you decided to uh, to opt out of the season and now you want – all of us who are the stupid ones, you know, in their analogy, the stupid ones and uh, to slow things down for you. And I, I could see a lot of a lot of college football people having fun with mm. the Pac-12's attempt to expand the playoffs so that they could get in, potentially get in if they could have anybody uh, what seven uh, undefeated by seven games. Yeah. Um, I OK, so I, I've really kind of just kept this you know, kept my mouth shut about, about how stuff went with the big 10 and the, the pac 12. But now, now I have an opportunity to make mention of this. You don't get to this insult. What I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. You, you don't get to insult other conferences for believing that they can play safely and then turn around and publicly insult them. By the way, I believe the exact quote by Larry Scott or the, the, the guy, the big 10 was, uh, they're, yeah, they're not living in reality believing that they can play. I believe that is the exact quote. And you don't get to say things like that and then turn around and start – and you said you, – you stuck to your guns, you know, leading up the first week that you weren't going to play. You were going to play in the spring. And then all of a sudden you realize that things are going okay. And yes, COVID is still here. And yes, there still needs to be precautions taken. But you're realizing that everyone can actually kind of do this safely. You don't get to come in and all of a sudden change the rules and change regulations for the playoff because you only get to play a six- to seven-game season now. And well, Robbie, the, the, the science has changed. Robbie, now the science t- says differently. You know, Rob, now it's – it's all about the science, Robert. This isn't about money and and uh, doing it. You know, this, the science has changed, Rob. Come on, the science. Ain't the science. no ain't, ain't ain't no science changed. And and again, uh, you and I have never been someone that has belittled COVID. Both my parents Dude. got it. One of my closest friends got it. It is serious. It is real. That is no way shape or that is in no way shape or form what I'm saying here. What I'm saying is is that the Pac-12 specifically, they acted as if everyone else was stupid if you continued to play. And since we we have now realized that you can play and do this safely, now they want to join the party, and they're behind just like the Big Ten. Because here's also the thing: here's here here's the like we think we thought SEC had some ugly play this weekend. Wait till we see the Pac-12 in a month when they haven't even been practicing for the last mm-hmm. month or two, like everyone else has leading up into the season. The Big Ten's been practicing for six weeks. Yeah, and and two, there's there's one thing about players doing their own conditioning, you know, on their own. And yes. there's another thing of being pushed by your coaches and being pushed by your teammates just from the conditioning standpoint, just in the weight room and just out on the field running sprints and such. It's a much different thing when you're being pushed and motivated uh, by everybody the way that, you know, you can do when you're in that group um, versus just, you know, doing your thing on your own at, at your home. So, yeah, um, being off, not being able to do, obviously with the weather, 
the way that it has been or the air quality the way that it has, it has been in some areas too. Some of those guys maybe haven't even had a chance to go out and, and work because the air quality stinks because of the horrific fires. So, yeah, there's no telling what, what Pac-12 football is going to look like when it comes back around. Some of that is understandable and some of it is, you know, it's just the way that it's going to be. Yeah, and and so like I only like I am fine with I actually am fine if you if you did not think that you had the ability to to keep your players safe or do it the correct way like I'm I'm actually perfectly fine with it and I said it back then I was too my problem is when you go and insult other people for believing that they had the same that that they didn't they didn't know any better or again that they weren't living in reality and so no you don't get an extra spot in the playoff and. And as much as I want more space in the playoff, I want more, I want it to expand. I this I don't want it to expand because of this, because of that well, reason. Well, and and then too, you you go with the fact that the pivot comes, the new science comes, and maybe there has been some new science. So I don't want to completely, you know, uh, be sarcastic uh, totally on that note. But the new science stuff comes around when there's a couple of weeks of college football that have gone okay, and there's a, maybe a week of the NFL that has gone okay. And it's been done, and it's sort of like, oh, Navian, Navian, uh, um, Tulane can play, or or Navian BYU can play, and it's not this like it can be done safely. And now you're making your pivot now that you've seen everybody do it. It's just was sort of it didn't feel like this was just based on new science. It was, uh oh, we might have jumped the gun here. Yes, it. Yes. Uh, we, yeah, right. we, can, we can we can leave it at that. We, yeah. Yes, we, yeah, we can go back and forth, and it sort of leads nicely into our overreaction. So uh, we did overreactions last year. We're going to continue to do it. We're going to have five each today, and I think normally we'll do just three going forward. But five for uh, for the kickoff of our overreactions for the season. So, Robbo, do you want to get us started with your first overreaction? <laughs> you however many three weeks that we've had. You bet your butt. I want to get started. I want to start this off. Jackson. My first overreaction is Kyle Trask is is better than Joe Burrow was last year. Mm. Mm. So I have one that I'll, I'll add that's sort of uh, along the same lines because I didn't know if you were going to go with that one or not. But uh, so Kyle Trask, KJ Costello, Derek King, Sam Ellinger will all be the next Joe Burrow. That just every that it's just it's that easy, Rob. To just be the most dominant football season of all time, it's that easy. That there's just we're going to have the, the the exact same thing the very next year. We've never seen anything like that in the history of college football. And to your point, what you're touching on as well, it's just, it's going to duplicate itself the very next year. Yeah, I'm. I okay. So let me ask you this: Do you do you think that's a good overreaction, or do you think it's too soon? <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Yeah, absolutely, too soon. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, it's one game. So Kyle Trask looked great, but yeah, like Ole Miss. Come on now. And we're not going to dive deep into to break down the games. We'll, we'll we'll cover them quickly. But Kyle Trask looked very good. However, they were playing an Ole Miss defense that I don't believe could color, cover a group of toddlers, and. Yeah. For the most part, his receivers were pretty much open when they he you know he didn't have to throw them open. He didn't really throw in contested spots. They were open quite often because of the coverage of the DBs at Ole Miss were so was so bad. Now you still don't put up you don't put up fifty unless you have an offense. And I give I give Florida all the credit in the world. But let's hold pump the brakes on just wanting 
we want LSU is probably the greatest football team to ever play last year's LSU team. Uh-huh. Let's let's pump the brakes after one game where, oh, by the way, also in that same game, they gave up 630 yards. OK, <laughs> so before before we go ahead and dub them this great new offense and great new team and, you know, Kyle Trask is going to win the Heisman. Can we just wait until they do it against a decent defense? And, and they might have that opportunity this week, at least maybe not decent, but at least a couple of pegs. Uh, well, step into a, uh, a at least a somewhat better coach defensive. I I thought so too, but then I saw that two of their uh, South Carolina's two of their best um, players are dinged up. They're supposed to play, but they're they're not a hundred percent. Yeah. And so, but anyway, that that's so. Which you know, well, actually, I get to go again because you already you just, actually you go first. This time. We, we sort of yeah, we sort of had a, a very similar one, and this one sort of piggybacks on that last overreaction. No one will improve. Everyone is who they were this past weekend. Nobody's going to improve. Everybody is, is, is who they are. So Florida's defense is going to give up walk-in touchdowns to everybody. Uh, Georgia's offense is going to struggle. LSU is going to be, you know, just average. Uh, everybody's is who they are. There is no improvement. Everybody will stay the same as these are who they are. And, and improvement, development is not a thing anymore, uh, apparently, in college football. Yeah, Um that is something that we definitely felt, um, especially a lot of people's reactions over the weekend right, yes. and, and, and the last couple of days is um, everyone who we saw, even for a half, everyone we saw for a half on Saturday is who they who we think they are. And that's who they're going to be all season. Um, there's no there's no room for improvement. There's no room for changes at halftime. There's there's no room for anything. Um, that's that's a good one. Uh, my. My next one is really simple. Um, Georgia's in trouble and going to lose three games this year. Whew. You know, and that one, that one with, before the realization that JT Daniels was cleared, that one you might, you might have some, you know, there might be some solid areas on that thin ice um, that you could feel. Just from the standpoint that if Stetson Bennett's who you're relying on this season, and Dewan Mathis doesn't improve, like we just got done joking about. If he stays deer in the headlights, Dewan Mathis and Stetson Bennett is who you have to go with. It could be a long time because while Stetson Bennett made some nice throws and some nice plays and he calmed the offense down and there were a lot of great things, uh, Georgia put together a really, a really concerning first half uh, in that football game, even if it was you know, from the penalties to the not being able to block to Dewan Mathis. It was all it was all sort of concerning, and then the play calling as well, which we talked about earlier in the week, uh, discerning. Yeah, um, my my overreaction from from this just comes from the fact that you know yes, the first half was abysmal. It was a hundred, like over ninety yards in the first half, first quarter uh, of penalties. The O line looked awful. Dewan Mathis looked awful. But then at halftime, they changed the center to right guard and brought in a new center, and they replaced the right tackle, and they brought in Stetson Bennett. And they went on to cover the twenty-seven point spread, mm-hmm. yep. and so no, that's definitely an overreaction. It, yeah, I, I just I think that's an overreaction. I'm not saying that they're going to win a Natty, but let's just let's just hold on before we write Georgia off, because the quote I believe that I read earlier this week was Auburn is going to whoop Georgia by twenty points. Slaughter, slaughter, and. Yeah. I've I've held on to that tweet and I cannot wait to revisit it on Saturday. But that's but Spencer, what's your next prediction, buddy? Or what's your next overreaction? So this one might be the least overreaction 
uh, in terms of the one that might be the closest to, to being, you know, an actual thing. Even after just two weeks, it's been two weeks, right? Has it been three? Yeah, two weeks. We're going into week three. Mike Norvell is not working at, at Florida State. Wow. Um, Mike, we're, we're, I'm, I'm already kicking the tires on Mike Norvell this, uh, today. So even though he wasn't even there to coach them against Miami? That's part of the problem. I mean, how do you get that? I mean, what are you doing? You're not you kept, cover your masks up, man. Come on. You, you just, you're just out here contracting COVID-19. <laughs> you don't get your team. You're not improved the offensive line. He's not working. He's not working. Okay. Um, I'm being a little I, sarcastic. No, 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 no. I know, I know. Um, I, I definitely think that's too soon. Um, I, I believe that Mike Norvell is the guy for the job um, to help them turn around. But I believe it's almost impossible to do so when you are so bare in the cupboard when it comes to offensive and defensive line. Um, so I, I'm, I'm waiting. I, I'm not ready to kick the tires on Matt, Mike Norvell, and I know you're not either. But like, I, I just because you're you're not the only one that has mentioned that. Um, but uh, state fans are. <laughs> yeah, I know. I just, I just, I just think that's so unfair right now. Um, my. My next overreaction, um, I bet I guarantee you we have the same number one reaction, by the way. I guarantee you, you and I both do. Oh, I don't know. Go ahead. Um, okay, but number three, uh, my third is – ow. Oh, hold on. I just got an itch. Uh, LSU. <laughs> LSU is closer to being four and six than they are to six and four. Ooh, and I don't have their record or their um... – their thing right in front of me. You know they play. You know they play Auburn, Bama, A and M. You know they play Florida, and they play Mississippi State and Ole Miss. Or I'm sorry, they play Ole Miss and Arkansas. I don't know who their other East right uh, East team is, but I don't think it matters. Yeah. So this goes back to the you know the the game one overreactions, and this was sort of a a thing that I had struggled with all through. Uh, er, the early portion of the week and just listening to people talk about LSU and how things didn't go well this weekend and the uh, the overreaction of or almost just kind of this caught in the headlights like they had not been paying attention to the fact that LSU was you know that they had been disassembled that immediately after they won the championship everybody had submitted their name into the NFL including some of the coaches so it was you know, I, I d- definitely think that they're closer to six and four, just because I believe that the 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 deep, you know the group will come together. I think Ed Orgeron will come together. Miles Brennan wasn't awful; he wasn't great, but he wasn't awful either. So, um, yeah, you know, LSU. Everybody is definitely overreacting about LSU when we should have sort of known. Yeah, this was going to be a tough go uh, for them losing all of the pieces that they did, and then Derek Stingley not being able to play either. Hopefully he's uh, doing better, and I think he was uh, back at practice this week. I'm going to tell you, man, I think that that overreaction might be my closest one to sincerity. I, it might be. Yeah, that's not a super outlandish uh, statement, knowing yeah, knowing that I, they I, don't have the guys that it's, they have. It's just it's, – it's not – to me, it's not just it, – it wasn't just Brennan not playing great. It, it wasn't – it wasn't just Stingley not being there. They just they didn't look well coached, mm. and that is some is, of that is some of that a brand you know a, a, an offense that you hadn't really seen before. Maybe, but you sent me the stat 
the first like the first game of Mike Leach's tenure at the, his other two schools, they didn't they didn't do incredible things. They didn't mm-hmm. do what they just did this weekend. No, not not even by a long shot. They didn't even. Go ahead. I knew you were well, going to yeah, yeah, Just the, the stat of 186 yards for Cliff Kingsbury at Texas Tech in the first game on 44% and 229 yards for Jeff Toole at Washington State on 66%. And there was two touchdowns and one interception out of the out of the two of them. So, yeah, I mean, it was nowhere. It was a completely different performance uh, by those two quarterbacks than it was for uh, K.J. Costello. I... I like and, and look, you know, I have an overreaction about Mississippi State here in a minute, but I, I was just floored at how at and at LSU. Now I know it wasn't a packed house, but again, it just it did not look like a very well coached team. All right, your uh, your next uh, overreaction. So is this four? I Wait. still have two left. Yeah. So you're, oh, you yeah, go. So you're four. You go. Okay, my fourth. Okay. Uh, so this is I'm I'm phrasing this one weird, and it's maybe a little bit more of a an overreaction towards Texas than it is anything, and maybe the overreaction doesn't apply, but it's still this kind of it's not the appropriate reaction. Um, I Oklahoma's still the best team in the Big Twelve. So, you know, bump you Texas and 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 your uh, sixty-three to fifty-six score with Texas Tech. I just was not impressed with them. I wasn't impressed with Oklahoma. I'm not impressed yeah. with that conference. And, you know, Oklahoma's still the best team because nobody in that conference seems to be worth anything. Uh, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't think that's wrong. Um, I'm going to tell you, I don't know who the best team is. Um, sure. but, but I can tell you that I wouldn't bet money on a single team. Yeah. Like yeah, that, yeah. That's, that, that's where I'm at with them right now. And that might be the overreaction. Now that I'm bouncing that ball off of a wall, is yeah. that there is not a there is not a best team, and to claim that there is one is yeah, it's a bit of an overreaction, there, pal. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I just I don't think. Look, Oklahoma. Like, okay, so you and I have actually had no opportunity to talk about this. So this is new because normally you and I are texting during during games and and constantly throughout the week. I'm um, texting during games. You don't respond. Well, you hate uh, me on game. You don't well, want to talk to anybody on game day. I don't like, especially during Georgia games. <laughs> I think so. So just, just really quickly, I my and my friends, not just you, but like, I've told people this. I've told my friends this for years. When there's a Georgia you game, told me on, I had to find out on my own. When Georgia games are on, I do not look at my phone. I do not text. I don't do any of that. Um, now at halftime, I will, but in between halves, I just don't talk to anybody. But anyway, um, I think that Oklahoma is in trouble. Not because not beca- not just because this this loss was damning. My concern, and I thought this a year two years ago when they got him, my concern is that while Spencer Rattler is very talented and he is he's very good at throwing the ball, he is not the leader that Jalen Jalen Hurts, that Baker Mayfield, and that um, uh, Kyler Murray Kyler Murray Kyler Murray what Murray was. <laughs> I, I don't, he's still I don't, in the NFL. We talk about that yeah. kid all the time. Dude. I I don't I don't think I don't think Spencer Rattler is the leader that they were. And so when things start turning them up, and you need them to make a play, and you need them to lead, I don't think Rattler is that guy right now that can do that. Well, and sure, he's just a freshman. You know, he's making his yeah. first start. So yeah, I mean that's or maybe not his very first start, but he's making his. That was his first conference start. So yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean it makes perfect sense. And then anybody who wears their hair that way is, is I mean. 
That's just so gross. Have, he might have um, those things twisted a little too tight. And, and, but but also, like, if you look at it, the Barton Simmons, you know, 24-7 sports who does the evals for quarterbacks in, in, for, recru- for recruiting, they even said that that year, Spencer Rattler was the number one quarterback coming out. But they also said it was one of the weakest years for quarterbacks. And, you know, I, so I just, I just don't know. I just don't know if Spencer Rattler is that guy right now that they need. And I don't think that's necessarily some kind of like horrible thing. But in the years past, yes, they've always lost that. They've like almost always lost the game. Right. Um, But this game just felt different because it's not normally done like this. And you don't normally have a collapse the way they did in the fourth quarter. So. So anyway, that's that's where I'm at. You're you're fourth overreaction. Fourth overreaction. Um, This one is more towards. Um, oh, a certain game specifically. <sighs> Kentucky, Kentucky should. Kentucky was the better team against Auburn, and will prove that by going eight and two this season. Mm. To Auburn's what? What is Auburn's record? By the end of the year, I think they lose three or four games. Mm. I got you. I, I don't. I want to see them get back to running the football, I don't like Tory Wilson throwing the ball 30-plus times. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they went into the half, or they went into the fourth quarter down by two, 15-13. And then that's where Auburn started to pull away late in the ball game. So I would like to see them not throwing the ball that much. I meant to look to see if I could find how many passes they had thrown through the first three quarters, and then how many they had to throw in the fourth once they started to get down. But ultimately still, I don't know if that's a team built for their quarterback throwing the ball that many times. Their running back had seven carries for 62 yards. That's almost nine yards a carry, and he only got seven carries. Please and say his name, Cavassier Smoke. <laughs> Cavassier Smoke. Um, I I also want to say this just really quickly about that game. I, Kentucky had better stats across the board in that game, and I don't know – Look, the pick six callback I think was a makeup call for one of the worst overturned touchdowns I've ever seen. Right at the end, the final minute, final sixty seconds of the half, first yes. half were um, were pretty eventful. Yes, um, that's a garbage overturn call, and but also at the same time, Terry Wilson had another chance to score a touchdown. And he threw a pick six, so yep. you know, um, and Terry Wilson did not play well, you know. Um, but that's my fourth. What's your fifth and final overreaction? All right, you ready for this? Yeah, because I guarantee it's just it's just like mine. But go ahead. Well, I, I don't know. Miami is the best team in the ACC. Oh shoot, that's not where I was going at all. Oh shoot, I completely <laughs> forgot about Miami. Miami oh. is the best team in the ACC, and their eighth overall ranking is too low. There are at least, if I'm remembering it right, there might be like three teams that you would favor Miami against uh, that that are ranked ahead of them right now. And I can't remember who they are. So here's why your here's why your overreaction is not bad. If we're going by what we have seen through th- three games of play, I don't know if I disagree with it because you're telling me that I'm supposed to jump up for joy for Clemson beating the Citadel and what Duke? Like, have they even I, played a conference game yet? I think they have. I don't know who I can't remember which team they've I don't remember which team it is though that they played. Um, I I just and I'm, look I'm not saying Clemson's not amazing they are but I just I just feel like we have a better body of work 
with with Miami right now because we have, so we, we have three full we have three full games with them and they've looked better and better each game. They beat FSU by a billion. And so this sort of leads into another conversation that I'm sure we're going to have at some point that how so one of the teams that's ranked ahead of Miami right now is is Georgia and there's a couple of SEC teams ranked ahead of them right now. How do you judge a one-game Georgia, a one-game Florida versus a three-game Miami. You know, there's more data for Miami. You, sh- you should put Miami higher. Good. Yeah, it all look that there's more data for Miami, and and it all looks good. And there's less data for those other teams, and it doesn't necessarily that it's bad data. It's just less data. How do you? It almost feels like yeah, you're right. You have more data on Miami as of now. Throw them up there in the top four. Yeah, like I. David Bunkley, if you're listening, here's your pro-Miami rant, bro. Miami looks like the better team because of data points and what we've seen from them than probably three or four teams that are ranked higher than them right now, including Georgia. I thought Georgia should have dropped down like 10 because of because of what happened this weekend. But Miami, like, Miami has a week off, and it's and they and they, the rankers sometimes do this, and and I think you'll affirm to this with me. They'll sometimes not they won't they won't rank a certain team too high because they're waiting for them to lose so they don't have to drop them down again and i there's a part of me that thinks that that's what they're doing here with Miami they don't believe that Miami is a legit top 5 top 10 team mm. and so that's why they're that's why they're doing this well and and that might be fair to the degree that Miami in the past, one of those years under Mark Rick, they were on fire at the beginning of the year. What was it, like an eight-game stretch? They had just introduced the turnover chain, and it was this whole big thing about how great Miami was. And then, what was it, a, a, a Pittsburgh game at the end of the year that they mm-hmm. lose? Um, Pitt, Notre Dame, and... Yeah, they just didn't look good towards the end of the year, and they ran out of steam. Uh, this team certainly feels no, they different than... I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, and, and but this team feels different than that. I think. I think we can all agree that Derek King is better than uh, the quarterback. That Jacoby they had. Harris. Well, I think this was after him. This was, I can't remember the kid's name, but this was uh, after Jacoby Harris. Well, after I think. Nonetheless, um, I, 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 yeah. I have more faith in Derek King than I have in a, in a Miami quarterback in a long time. Yeah, I, I I think this team's legit. I'm. I'm excited. Um, so here's my here's my last one, and I really thought you were gonna go. The, I thought you were gonna go the same route as me, buddy. Um, Mike Leach will win an SEC title in the next three years. Mm. I did. I marked it out. I had Mike Leach as an elite coach in the SEC. <laughs> I, had, I had it, but I marked it out because there was one other thing I wanted to go with to be a sarcastic about. But um, you know the the stat that we talked about a little bit earlier, and I guess we can get into our recaps with that. Um, and we'll start with the LSU uh, Mississippi State game. The you you go back through that stat with the, about the quarterbacks shows you one thing that Mike Leach has never had, and that is a special group of talent. He is even in his best years at Texas Tech and Mrs. and uh, Washington State. I don't think he's at anything the caliber of what he can play with at Mississippi mm-hmm. State. And so you're you're going to get something really special out of Mike Leach, most likely, over these next couple of years. And I thought about it, too, like this, Rob. 
if no, if Nick Saban or Urban Meyer coach at Texas Tech and Washington State, they're probably going to be just as successful, if not maybe a little bit more, because they recruit really, really well. But now we're going to get to see what Mike Leach looks like as a recruiter in a more fertile recruiting area. Sure, Texas is a very fertile area, but at that time he was there, Texas was really doing well, Texas A&M was doing really well recruiting. At some point, you're just not going to get those guys. When those in Alabama and maybe a USC and others are coming into the state, you're, there's still a lot of competition in, in the area that you're in, in the Southeastern Conference, but maybe, and I don't mean scraps to be ugly towards anybody, but maybe the stuff that falls to you is still going to be better than what you were, de- definitely better than what you were getting at Washington State, and it might be a little bit better than what you were getting at Texas Tech as well. And so that's why I think, yes, I, I don't even think that's a super overreaction. Uh, it is if if you're considering Nick Saban. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely an overreaction because you have to see it to believe it. But I, yeah, I would buy I, into that one. Go ahead. I, I just I just want to add to this. I You remember what I said because I've said it to you numerous times. I don't know if I've said this on the podcast, but I, I know that you'll you'll attest to this. Um, <laughs> Mike Leach has never had this kind of talent on defense. This will That's be the most ta- yeah. this will be the most talented defense he's ever had. And I'm not saying that that means I'm not saying that their defense is even elite, but this is the best defense he's probably ever had talent wise. And with like you, if you if you listen to other if you listen to these coaches who or the coaches or listen to um, LSU's post post conference post game conference, they were running a tight they run this three three five defense, and LSU did not know what to do. LSU they could not read or under they, that's probably why Miles Brennan had such trouble. They could not read the defense, and and so there's just a lot of things working in Leach's like like it, there's a lot of things working to his advantage right now. And so uh, I I think Mississippi State's going to have a really big year. I don't know what that means. I don't know if that's eight and two. I don't know if that's ten and zero. I don't know if that's you know six and six six and four. But I think I think they're going to get someone else that no one's expecting, and I'm just praying that it's not Georgia. The bit the help the, the helpful helpful thing for Georgia is that Georgia has probably the best elite defensive backfield in the country, and that you know when you can play man to man against uh, the air raid like that, like it benefits you greatly. But um, well, and I was going to add if in two you would have to mix it up because um, it felt like a lot of the criticism for LSU is. They stayed in man-to-man the entire night. Yeah. They never came out of man-to-man. Derek Stingley's not there, unfortunately, and maybe if he is, it's different, maybe. But you stay in man-to-man the whole night, and you know it was just open city for, uh, for Mississippi State. So Georgia and other teams that they'll have to play, Alabama's and such, Auburn's, will get an opportunity to see more tape. They'll get more data. And so maybe they have a better time slowing things down. down. <laughs> yeah, t- yeah, thank you. Uh, they'll have a better chance at, uh, at utilizing that. Anything else for uh, Mississippi State and LSU? No, it was just impressive on Mississippi State's. Um, let's let's move to Florida Ole Miss. I, I don't think there's really a lot to say here other than I need to see more from Florida before I dub them this great elite team. Um, because two things. One, Ole Miss's defense was literally the worst in the SEC last year. And uh, two, and DJ Durkin, you know, who knows what he's going to be as a D coordinator, but also Florida gave up what I can only, what I can only describe as a gazillion yards through the air. They gave up plays of 60, 40, 40, 40, 30, 30, and like 27. 
They gave up a lot of big plays. Elijah Moore had 227 yards himself. I, I just, look, I'm not saying Florida's not good. They deserve to be ranked higher than Georgia right now. Like, I'm even admitting that. But can we please just hold off on the hyperbole about them until they play a legit squad? Right, and that's sort of the thing for everybody is just hold off. It's one week. Um, you know, go praise Miami. They've got three weeks under their belt. Let's let's slow the roll here for our SEC schools as everybody's only played one week. Um, takeaways, Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts have been, you know, buddying it up uh, over the offseason, clearly. They were fantastic yes. together. Kyle Trask looked awesome. He looks like maybe he's taken those steps forward that a lot of people are asking for. We'll continue to see how that goes as he moves forward. Uh, the uh, rushing uh, offense for Florida seemed to be a little bit more present uh, this go-around, too. We'll, we'll look forward to seeing how that progresses. Also, uh, this Ole Miss team is going to be a lot of fun to watch right from the start because Matt Carell seems to be a guy ready to operate and sling the football around, and then Lane Kiffin has no issues whatsoever putting John Rice Plumley in 17 different roles on offense. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch Ole Miss this season and, and beyond, and if they can get some collections mm-hmm. of talent, uh, the Egg Bowl will be – you know, a, a sprint to a hundred. Also, I hate that they, I hate that Kiffin and Leach like each other because there's not really going to be animosity <laughs> between the well, two. And I, I, yeah. And I guess I feel like there could be a lot of fun had with that. A hundred percent. Even though there would be plenty of fun if they didn't like each other, but the fact that they can get around and, and, uh, and it be playful, maybe it, it, it creates a, a more fun atmosphere in that rivalry because there's already enough hate between those two schools to begin with. So if the two coaches can sort of poke fun at one another, maybe they can, I don't know what the word is that I'm looking for, um, but maybe they can take some of that venom out of it. Yeah. In a good, I agree. In a good, in a good way. Yeah. Um, so let's move to the big upset of the weekend, uh, Kansas state over Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma was up big in this game. They were up 21 to seven at half. Um, they, they they stayed they stayed up 14 points um, going into the fourth quarter, but then in the second half, man, they they just could not tackle Kansas State at all, and yep. and Kansas State pulls out the win and has our first big upset of the season. Yeah, and, I, and it feels as though Kansas State is the team that has some sort of kryptonite for Oklahoma. They beat them last um, year. Yep, and so. And part of me feels like it might be an, a, a sense of toughness, a sense of grit, a sense of uh, pushing, pushing Oklahoma on the line and sort of just bullying them around a little bit. And maybe bullying is too strong a word, uh, but I think the point still is that Kansas State has their number because Kansas State is willing to be the appropriate amount of physical and gritty, and they're they're willing to go in there and fight. They're not afraid, and they don't feel as though they have to match Oklahoma. They know that they can maybe change. They can play at their pace, and they can kind of dictate that a little bit to Oklahoma. Not a lot of other teams are able to do it. Yeah, I agree. Um, uh, you know, I already commented on Spencer Rattler, and I kind of stand by that. Um, but Kansas State, like you said, like they're just gonna they're gonna let you make a mistake. They're not gonna try to they're not gonna try to go point for point for you to you. They're gonna keep things in front of you and in front of them, and they're gonna try to make you make a mistake. Um, let's let's quickly um 
just I want to make mention of the Kentucky-Auburn game. We already talked about it, you know, probably probably more than we wanted to. Seth Williams um, is a stud wide receiver. Bo Nix, Bo Nix, he's, he's still doing what he did last year where he kind of plays backyard ball and rolls out and throws off his back foot and kind of throws it up and says, hey, big guy, will you catch this for me? Um, he still thinks he's faster than he really is, which which is a concern. Um, but the, 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 the most alarming thing for me, speaking of this game, was one single stat. 30 carries for 91 yards. Yeah, it's weird to think. Didn't didn't wasn't there a span of like nine straight seasons where there was a 1000-yard rusher for yeah, for Auburn? Yeah. I think it's nine. They nine they are they are replacing four O-linemen. And they have they have dudes at running back, but those dudes can't do anything if they can't get into space. And they were playing a good Kentucky defense. And they and they they couldn't do anything, and so I don't really have a lot more to say about this. I think I think this game, I think this game was given. I hate to say it this way because they lost by sixteen or they won by sixteen. I, I I just think Kentucky made more mistakes than Auburn made plays. If that makes sense. I think that's I think those might, might be fair to a degree, and and of course the momentum was changed a little bit there at the end of the half. We already touched on it a little bit, but there was a play right at the goal line in the final 60 seconds where Kentucky has a what looks like a touchdown. The guy kind of gets stopped a little bit at the line and then is able to push forward and get up just over the goal line, and then they pull him back. There, From what I could tell, there was an issue with forward progress, but then there was also the question of his knee being down. But because of the way the sun was and there were shadows on the field, you couldn't tell the knee. And they called the play back. They had ruled it a touchdown on the field. Do you remember what it was they ruled to say that it wasn't a touchdown? That was it. The forward his progress. Knee, his knee was down. Okay. And I, see, I didn't think the, the there was conclusive evidence because of the shadows that his knee was actually down. Agreed. It was a bogus call, and that was it was just really frustrating. Um, okay, moving on to Texas, Texas Tech. Um, Texas Tech, with three minutes and 15 seconds to go, had a 15-point lead over Texas. And the the lawyer, Alan Bowman, found a way to throw for 331 yards, five touchdowns, in a losing effort. Have usually a sloppy game ends up being, you know, 10 to 7, 13 to 10. 12 to 15. Yeah, something <laughs> weird is yeah. a... Uh, is a is a sloppy game. This was a sloppy game that was sixty three to fifty six because special teams. I think the stat was read off earlier this week. Scoring drives. Each team had scoring drives of ten and zero because there were you know uh, returns, interceptions, and punt returns for touchdowns, and there were uh, other fumbles and just plenty of opportunities where there were short fields that helped create some easy scores for both teams. So super sloppy. Uh, you go and look at some of the other numbers as well. It doesn't necessarily indicate that either offense was super great, even though there were a lot of points. So very messy game. And it kind of, this goes back to that overreaction about Texas. I, I'm not impressed with them at all. And if TCU starts the right quarterback this week, I think they can beat Texas. Yeah. I, I we, we need to like, maybe next week we can set some time aside to, to discuss the Texas debacle that I have or the, the, 
the problems I have with Texas, but the continuous elite recruiting at DB mm-hmm. and the constant inability to have a decent defense is mind blowing to me. Um, Texas A&M uh, looked awful against Vandy. Um, I don't know what they're going to do. You know, they're they're only rank, they're still ranked like number twelve or thirteen after winning this weekend. Um, they looked awful. They're Hasn't get, Texas A&M been you know highly you know big in recruiting over the last few years too? Yes. Um, well. Yes and no. Um, they're in the, they're in the top ten. Well, they're, they're in the top ten of recruiting. So yes, they have elite talent. Um, over the course of like before the season started, they only lost a like four string quarterback uh, to opt outs. Since the beginning of the season, they have lost uh, Derek Hunter, Clifford Chapman, and Jamon Osmond, and linebacker Anthony Hines, who is a starter, and now another starter, Elijah Blades. They they've had six opt outs so far this season. Um, the Jimbo Fisher experience. We we will probably we will, we'll, I I just I'm not trying to be hyperbolic, but I think by the end of the season we're going to know whether he's going to meet that ten year deal or not. Um, I don't see like I, Texas A&M's not going to fire him this year. Not a lot of schools are making a lot of money because of COVID and not be able to sell tickets. And so like they don't, they're not going to have the money to buy out his contract because they almost are going to have to pay the entire contract for him to opt for for them to get out of it. But I think though we're going to see if this experience is going to be successful based off this year and whether or not he can put together a just a decent run of a season. Um, does it that's change right. if does it change if the quarterback changes? I mean, does does this is Kellen Mond holding the back? I don't mean to be ugly towards Kellen Mond, but is it Kellen Mond that's holding this thing back? And I didn't see any of the Vanderbilt games, so I don't know, but I know that Kellen Mond gets a lot of grief that there's sort of this – there's a ceiling that we thought he was going to meet, and he seems to be operating well below it. I, I don't know the answer. I know that he is one of those inconsistent quarterbacks I've ever seen. Um, yeah. And when I say inconsistent, I don't mean like, oh, he throws for over 50, you know, for 50, under 50%. What I mean is, is that he'll have games where he looks like a freaking superstar, and then he'll have games where he looks awful, but then in, in garbage time, he looks like a freaking superstar. And and so, like, he's just, like, 17 to 28 for 189 yards against Vanderbilt, that's freaking pathetic. And yes, I know that their their number one wide receiver opted out. I know that. But still, like, it just it just looks bad. Um Let's let's move on. Um, the big slaughter of the weekend was Miami at Florida State. We already talked about Miami might be legit. I think they have a week off, so we don't really need to break them down too much. The game against Clemson tells us whether they're for real or not. If they keep it within two score game, I, I'm going to have a lot more faith in them. I just I just don't think they beat Clemson, um, but I could be wrong. Do you have yeah, add? Uh, well, I was just going to say, yeah. At this point, Clemson's the deeper team. That might be the only thing we haven't seen tested for Miami yet is their depth. Um, I think you can stop the running game for Miami. I think um, Louisville proved that to a to a degree. There were obviously some explosive plays uh, for for Miami in that game, and they were obviously. I think Cam Harris had four rushing touchdowns. So even if they're short yardage runs, that's a really crucial part of your running game is short yardage, especially on the goal line. So to score four touchdowns, they're good on the ground, but it seems like they can be slowed down there. And then, um, so yeah, I think the depth is something that will uh, will really have to be is the next thing for them to answer. They've they've shown they can run it well. They've shown they can throw it well. They've also shown that they can be slowed down a little bit on the run. But if there's another thing for them to prove, it's their depth. And maybe the Notre Dame and 
Uh, well, they don't play that. Well, they don't play there. Okay. okay, yeah. Didn't have that. Didn't um, have the schedule in front of me. So yeah, Clemson will prove that um, or show it. Yeah, I, and this is the offense that Miami should have been running for the last ten years. Um, so um, the other, like another complicated game is the Tennessee-South Carolina game. I don't know really what this game showed us other than it continues to show that Jer- Jarrett Garantano is a not, not a good quarterback. He's not a good SEC quarterback. Um, yeah, just go ahead and make the move to, to the Georgia kid. Give it give it to Harrison Bailey. Yeah, I just – he's just he's just, he's just not good. And if, if it's not for a pick six, like they, they lose this game at home. Or I mean, I'm sorry, they lose this game in South Carolina. Um, Colin well, Hill. He also, go ahead. I was just gonna say, Colin Hill. Colin Hill looks actually pretty decent. Um, and Shy yes. Smith is a dude. So, well, and that um, was gonna lead me to my next point. Shy Smith. It's a seven-point game, very late in the contest. They're down in the red zone. South Carolina is on offense. Shy Smith. I'm sure this has been boiling all night, but he gets into it with a Tennessee defensive back. They're having to pull him off because he keeps getting back into the face of this other player. He ends up coming off the field on a third down, down in the red zone. And he's off the field, They're one of their best offensive players, and now they have to try to you know convert the third down without him. They don't. They have to kick the field goal, and there's your final. Now, obviously, that has no bearing on the, on the special teams play uh, blunder that they had later on. But still, you got to be – if you're going to be one of the top guys on the team, dude, you got to be on the field at that moment. Your team yes. can't be without you in that moment. So I was – a little disappointed there, and, and and maybe he's sort of new to, to this amount of playing time, and uh, hopefully he won't make that mistake again because his team needs him in those situations. This could have been a great start to the season to get that win over uh, over Tennessee for South Carolina. Yeah, I agree. Um, I just – like, they, they can have dudes, and I, I think Tennessee does have really good players, and Cade Mays is going to help that O-line. I don't – but I just don't – like, their quarterback is a horrible situation, and their defense is not that great. Um. They gave up 290 yards passing on a Division II quarterback um, who went 25 of 39. Like, that's pretty darn good. Um, but, again, Shai Smith dominated those dudes. Um, the only um, the only other game I want to talk about before we get to Georgia-Arkansas, which is gonna, should not take long for us to break down, is Louisville-Pittsburgh. Um, Pittsburgh pretty much had this game in hand pretty much the entire game. Um, they Go ahead. Well, I was just going to add, yeah, I was very impressed with how they stopped the run. I think Louisville had two big running plays, and other than that, they were they were not great. I expected Louisville to be better uh, offensively, but their uh, their offensive line, apparently, if it's going to go up against a well-coached defensive front, they're going to struggle. And, um, and I thought that they played much better against Miami and that that might carry over. They maybe take that uh, silver lining out of the, out of the Miami game and, and bring it into this one. Uh, and kind of further that, maybe build on that, but uh, they were not able to. Uh, Pittsburgh, in their horrendous uniforms, were uh, were the dominant team. Yeah, um, I thought Louisville was ready for primetime this year. And, yeah, and and, and their and, last year was a bit of an overachievement. Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, and that, that's all I was going to say is like we we are learning very quickly that they overachieved way more than they showed us what's to come. So right. Yeah, we, we thought last year was going to be year zero for Scott Satterfield. They vastly over-improved to eight wins, and now maybe we're going to get something that looks a little bit more like Scott Satterfield's having to build there at Louisville, which is fine. It's not, a, not an issue. All right, so the so we're to the Georgia yeah, game. And we, did you, and then, did you not and then want we're to touch gonna, on Oklahoma State? Not, not really. I, okay, I, that's fine. Th- them not having Spencer Sanders – 
it, like they relied on Chuba Hubbard. Their defense looks a little bit better than people expect. But uh, like the next two weeks are going to tell me about Oklahoma State because apparently uh, Purdy, Purdy is going to come back. Uh, I'm sorry, Spencer Sanders is going to come back. Um, but I do want us to get to picks because uh, we, we're pretty deep into this and uh, we we need we have quite a bit few games to pick. Um, yep. So let, let let's start us off. And I'm 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 going chronologically. I'm not going by the quote unquote importance. Um, South Carolina. Go ahead. Do you want to get to Georgia, Arkansas? Oh, oh yes. Um, okay. Over 90 yards of, of penalties. Uh, I counted four different drives that Dwan Mathis had was either ended was either ended or stalled by a penalty or a missed block coverage, uh, a mi- missing blocking assignment by an offensive lineman. They were not all on Dwan Mathis. Yeah. Um. People are not going to see that as the game goes on. You'll have to go back and watch to really assess things. But Dewan Mathis, while yes, after that first big hit, he did he, like he did look shaken up and that he wasn't ready. At the same time, he was not helped in any way, and also he was not helped by play calling. Play calling did not help him either. They threw the ball a lot in that first in, in the first quarter for for what for what you ex- would have expected, and. Like I, I, that just like he threw the ball seventeen times in one quarter, man. A Georgia yeah. quarterback threw the ball seventeen times. Finished with forty plus throws between him and Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett ended up with like twenty nine pass attempts in three and quarters. Guess, in in yeah. three quarters, Spencer. Yeah. Like that is. It, it, listen, actually, I'll be a little fair. He threw two passes. He threw two of those passes in the fourth quarter. He threw fifteen passes in the first quarter and. Bennett threw double those over a span of three quarters. Yeah. They did not protect him with play calling, with penalties, or the offensive line. Nope. I was very disappointed with the with the play calling. Uh, I thought we would lean on those running backs more. But maybe Kirby wanted to make a statement that, look, I've given the offense to Todd Munkin. Look, I've given it to him. And maybe yeah. against Arkansas, it is the right place to come out and throw the football. And you could not plan for Dewan Mathis to get his bell rung there on the sideline on the very first possession, uh, very last play of the first possession. And maybe that shook him to some degree. Maybe he got nervous after that. He had just—I mean—he's just off the surgery table for brain, you know, for brain surgery not long ago. So, you know, maybe that shook him, and and hopefully he can get over that and bounce back. But um. Yeah, was not impressed, and then, and then was impressed with how the third quarter went because I think you and I both said earlier this week that they basically covered the spread in a, in a quarter thanks to some defense and thanks to you know finally picking it up on offense. Yeah, they they end up covering the spread, which is just kind of like magnificent in, in a weird way. Um, you know, good teams win, great teams cover the spread, and. <laughs> uh, it, it, this does not mean again. This does not mean that all of a sudden Georgia is going to win a natty. But what this does mean, and this is what I've always said is true about Kirby, is he is not afraid to make adjustments and change things if needed to win a game. And he did make adjustments. He's made changes. Also, we last year, if as we saw, Jake Fromm was so off against South Carolina that he threw he threw multiple interceptions in a game. If he would have gotten hurt, we would have been boned last year. However, we're looking at going coming into the second game of the season, and Georgia has possibly three options at quarterback. And regardless of what you want to say of Dewan Mathis or Stetson Bennett, they are, they still seem 
well, hopefully we'll see from Dewan Mathis a better showing. But we know we know that JT Daniels has done it before and can do it, and we know that Stetson Bennett has done it because we saw him do it this past weekend. Georgia finally has depth at quarterback. But if you, like, and I'm gonna say this, and then we can move on. If I'm gonna believe that Kirby is a top five talent or a top five coach, which I do, and Georgia, and I believe that I believe in Georgia's talent that they have um, they have recruited at a top three level, which I do. I have to believe that they are going to make the adjustments needed to win the games that they need to win. And so I'm I I'm not walking away angry or upset or worried. I am walking away saying, okay, let's see why Kirby makes so much money as a coach. Mm-hmm. Sure. All right, picks. All right, buddy. So really quickly, we're having to we're going to officially keep track this weekend of the uh, of the picks because you and myself both kind of made different picks in other port uh, on other platforms. Um, you changed your picks Friday on your radio show, and <laughs> and I picked I changed some, a couple of my picks on Facebook. So we are going to stick to what we picked tonight and not change them. Agreed. Uh, not change them. No, my picks here are my picks here. My picks on my radio show are my picks on my radio show. Spencer, I'm just I'm, I'm I don't know if I'm gonna be doing a ton of flipping flopping, but I were well, you and I both flip, right. you and I both flip flopped, and you like like to your credit, you picked Mississippi State Friday on your show to win, but you did right. not pick them here. So here, I'm just saying, I, yeah, yeah, I didn't think we were being super staunch last week. I didn't think we were writing it. Down. Were we writing it down last week? Because I didn't no. think we were writing it down well, last week. Well, I had I had it written down, but I'm writing these down. And we're, we're, this is going in the grade book moving forward. Okay. Okay, that's fine. But I'm just gonna have a different grade book. For, for <laughs> <show>. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's do this quickly. We, we're we're run up against the clock, uh, as you like mm. to say, on the radio show. Um, that's that's an actual radio term. Thank you very much. It's not just the same. South South Carolina at no University of Florida. I'll let you go first. Uh, is Florida an 18 point favorite in this game? Mm-hmm. Is that what you're looking at? Oh mm-hmm. my god. Um, yeah, you have to take Florida. You just, you feel better about their offense. You feel like they're going to figure things out defensively. Todd Grantham's a much better coach than what they gave up last week. And what they gave up last week, some of that was, you know, some special trick, you know, let's maneuver, let's, and, and nothing against Ole Miss's offense for doing it. Take the advantage, do what you can. You got to try to keep up in that game. And they were able to do so. So I don't know if South Carolina is sophisticated enough to run any of that stuff. Or yeah, has the cojones to run any of that stuff. Yeah, um, Florida I, is the big. I, yeah, Florida, Florida for me as well. I think they, I think they win big because of the the injuries that um, that that South Carolina has. I, I, yeah, I'm gonna overthink it. It's it's Florida, and uh, but I will say, and uh, we're not gonna keep track of this, but I don't think they cover the spread. Um, because they've been told how amazing they are all week. And I, I just can imagine South Carolina coming off a bad loss like last week, coming out and trying to punch them in the face. But I think they win. I, I still think Florida wins. All right. Um, next game, Texas at TCU. I am actually taking the Horn Frogs with the upset. Yeah, give me TCU as well, especially if they play, if they play uh, Dugan at quarterback. I don't. I have. I was totally blown away when I was watching the recap of that game, and there was somebody not named Dugan playing starting quarterback at the beginning of the contest. Do you know who and that is? Downing is it Downing? Yeah, yeah, Downing, F- so, a former former Georgia walk on. Oh wow! So 
I don't know how he won the job. I don't know where that came about. <laughs> but Dugan seems to be the guy because the offense picked up and they started putting things on the board when he became the uh, the starter So or when he was on the field. So I would imagine uh, Dugan will be the guy or Duggan will be the guy. And uh, I'm, I have no respect for Texas right now. Uh, all those points, fine. I just don't have any respect for, for Tom Herman and Texas and the, the on-the-field product. Sam Ellinger is being wasted. Yep. He, he, he will go from the potential icon that he was coming in as a freshman to just being another Texas quarterback. Like that's just what he's going to end up being. Um, okay, next game. Uh, this one, I, I just want to throw it in there because I think it's an interesting game. Uh, Baylor at West Virginia. Um, I'm going to take Baylor because I think, I think they're going to be pretty good this year, man. Yeah, and I think you know Baylor three point favorite over and under is fifty four. You know West Virginia played well against Oklahoma State last week, um, and they did some things that were impressive. Neil Brown's in his second year there. Baylor's only got the one game under their belt. Yeah, you know, go ahead and give me Baylor. I'll, I'll be safe here. Okay. Um, I'm taking Baylor as well. Um, okay, next game. Uh, Big game for the weekend, CBS, uh, 3.30 game, uh, number 13, Texas A&M at Bama. Um, I am going – the phrase that I continue to use, and I'm going to use it here, Bama by whatever number you want to say. Yeah, I just – nothing impressive about Texas A&M. Maybe they can slow things down for a little while. Maybe the defense is good enough for a little while. Um, this would be the spot. If Jimbo Fisher wanted to hush the crowd and get people to get off his back, this would be the spot. Beat Alabama this weekend, and you will quiet everyone down there in in College Station. But I don't I don't see it happening. I don't think they've got enough offense. I don't think Kellen Mond's up to the to the task. Um, it does help that there won't there will barely be any fans in the stands at Bama. That does help. Um, but but yeah, I I just of every team in the SEC, Bama is the one that looked flawless. Yeah. So yeah, give me give me back. Okay. Bama uh, next game is um, North Carolina at Boston College. Last week's UNC game was canceled due to COVID concerns. They're playing a Boston College team who actually looked good in their two games already this season. I'm going to take UNC, but I, like this is kind of one of those games where I'm going to be keeping an eye on. You know, around third quarter, oh UNC's up by three or, or down three. You know, they probably pull it out, but I could just see Boston College giving them a fight. Yeah, what was Boston College doing well in their wins? Like, what was it that they used to pick up those victories? Because I know that they were looking good. And North Carolina, the thing that makes me nervous is North Carolina hadn't played a game in a while. Well, they were, believe it or not, BC was, like, I'm not going to the, they they played a, 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 like a level three school, but they also beat Duke 26 to six. And they did, they did it through the air. They had their quarterback Jerkovic had over 300 yards passing and two touchdowns, and he only had three. He only had six incompletions. That's a Notre Dame transfer. Yes. So at some point, I feel like not playing games has got to catch up for certain teams. Yes, the uh, chemistry aspect. Well, you're going to go for it, aren't you? You're you're going for it, aren't you? When was the last time North Carolina played their game? Do you know uh, when that was? I'm, I'm trying to I'm, get the schedule pull, up here. I'm, I'm pulling it up right now. Uh, it was, holy crap, it was two weeks ago. Saturday the 12th. Yeah, two weeks ago. So they essentially had a bye week. 
Okay, uh, uh, two bye weeks. Yeah. I'll have better faith in, in Matt Brown than that and Sam Howell. So give me give me North Carolina, but I feel like somebody's got to get caught by this. and probably Closer than the experts think. Yeah, yeah. Okay, next game. Um, we can scroll it down. Um, the big one. Uh, big game of the weekend. <sighs> We've got Auburn at Georgia. It started off as an eight-point spread. Now it is down to seven. What you got? Uh, I'll, I'll, yeah, you go ahead and pick first, Spencer. So my anticipation will be that JT Daniels will enter the ball game at some point. Okay. I don't know if he's starting. Okay. I know you told me earlier that there might be more reps for one quarterback at practice. Yep. Uh, uh, if it's Dewan Mathis who starts, I don't trust him to stay in there at this point. And I don't trust that it's Stetson Bennett to save the day again against Auburn. And heck, who knows? Maybe all of this is just smoke and mirrors, and JT Daniels is the guy because he's the guy. But coming yep. off that injury, you don't know. He had his knee scoped back in uh, August because of swelling, just so you know. Just to add that into it. Like we just, we've just kind of started to trickle and hear information of why he, he hasn't played. But um, anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. <sighs> Do you want me to give you my analysis and my paper? Yes, give me your analysis because – I don't. I don't want to sound like the homer always picking Georgia, but at the same time, you know they're. Okay. I don't completely trust both nope. Knicks either. No, it's okay. All right, here, here, here we go. Um, so Auburn is replacing four four offensive linemen from their from their depleted O line last year. Georgia, out of the seventy nine snaps that were played by Georgia's defense on Saturday, on, on, not a sing, not a single D lineman played more than thirty snaps. Let me repeat that. Of the seventy nine snaps that the Georgia's defense played not a single D lineman played 30 snaps meaning there is depth across the there's depth all over on the defensive line they have elite defensive linemen this year with Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter the the freshman and obviously Nolan Smith and Oljolari and um and um Oh my gosh, why can't I remember his name now? Uh, the other really great defensive lineman player. Um, so basically, Georgia's, like one of Georgia's elite levels is a weakness of, of Auburn, and they could not run the ball, as we talked about earlier, on Kentucky. Also, Auburn does not have the elite defensive lineman of Marlon Davison and uh, Derek Brown. Uh, they have a good defensive line, but they're young, and they're, no long, no, they're nowhere near the elite first and second round talent that they had last year. Auburn does have great linebackers, which is going to be beneficial for them in a lot of ways. But if you're going to tell me that all that Georgia is a seven-point favorite after having a, a horrible half against Arkansas, and they're still they, they still cover the spread, and they're still a seven-point favorite coming into this week, you it's because you Vegas are telling me that you believe in Georgia, and I'm not ridiculous for believing in them as well. And also, I don't really I don't really care who's playing quarterback because I just believe in Kirby Smart and his coaching ability, and Auburn has only won four times in the last 15 years against Georgia, and every time they've played against beaten Georgia, it's been at Auburn. Mm. I think I think Kirby Smart owns Gus Malzahn. I think that elite talent on Georgia's side of the ball. Also, the other thing is uh, the special teams by Georgia is obviously so much better than last year, and Kenny McIntosh is a dude, and I, I, I just I think talent abounds. At Georgia, and the the one thing that we know that Auburn is going to try to do is pass the ball. And what do we know? Georgia has very much elite talent at is defensive back. 
And so the bad things that Auburn is bad at goes to Georgia's favor, and the good things that that Auburn does well goes in Georgia's favor because Georgia is just has so much talent. Georgia doesn't have to score 35 points to win this game. They only have to score 24 points to win this game. So give me Georgia and give me to cover the spread too. Okay. Uh, so Auburn also struggled with uh, with the run game against Kentucky, like you mentioned, and, and only up by two points going into the fourth quarter. So their depth was able to outlast uh, Kentucky. And you yeah. might be right. And I think you're probably right in terms of, you know, Georgia's depth is going to be able to, you know, going to be able to outlast them. So, yeah, I'll take, uh, I'll take the dogs here as well. Now, I don't think Georgia goes undefeated. But I just don't see them losing to an Auburn team that in no way, shape, or form was impressive any pick, you know, like any part of the game, like against Kentucky. That it's more, and it's not even like they made elite plays to to like on defense to cause turnover. Terry Wilson just made horrible throws and horrible choices and gave Auburn the ball two or three times in the fourth quarter. And and like I just it, it took a, it took a touchdown call back. It call it it, it took. I don't know. I like just nothing about this game screams. Oh my gosh, Auburn is so elite. Especially after I watched the game again, I I lost I lost more and more respect for for Auburn and what they have this year. So, um, last game of the night to pick um, is Oklahoma at Iowa State. Mm. Yeah, I think Oklahoma will bounce back here. Uh, I don't love how Iowa State has sort of. I know they fought against uh, TCU this weekend. I don't, I don't, I don't love, love, though, how Iowa State has sort of been in, in what seems like a funk of some sort. So, so give me Oklahoma. Uh, and I think coming off the loss, too, I think they're going to be, you know, a little sharper. And um, uh, Lincoln Riley will have the right, you know, he'll have the right stuff in place for, uh, for Spencer Rattler so that he's not, having to be the guy yeah yeah i'm this is one of those games where i just kind of feel like uh in years past i would have picked iowa state but i'm not here um i think oklahoma wins and they they cover the spread which i think is like 18 and a half points right now um 18 and a half points for the spread over iowa state i think so i think that's what i saw hold on jeez let me let me find it uh, actually, it's not listed, but I could have swore I could have swore as a huge number. Um, hey, that doesn't sound right. I would imagine that comes down. I would um, imagine. Uh, money line like- for uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma, Iowa. You know, really, really pound that keyboard there, pal. Sorry, bro. My bad. Uh, actually, I was—I was, I don't know where I got my number from. I apologize. Uh, the number is just a seven, just seven points. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I don't know. Uh, I just—I don't know where I came up with that. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. Well, there's there's a lot of spreads there uh, to look at, so maybe one just got caught uh, in the peripherals. Um, yeah, I, I like Oklahoma, but Iowa State's tricky. I think they're much better than the way that they've been playing, but I don't. Something slipping on me 
with with Matt Campbell. Something slipping. And plus, I trust Lincoln Riley to sharpen hey. things up now after they've lost an early game. That the, number the, the, the that number's dropped. Them. That number's dropped to six and a half. Mm. You know what? Give me Iowa State. Give me Iowa State. Give me Iowa State. I'm probably wrong, but you and I have picked the same on every freaking game. I need, I need to have one well, difference. Well, the you know the object of the yeah. Um. Okay. Well, like th- this weekend is going to be so awesome. Um. I think this is going to be another great weekend. Um. With me and my mistress. Um. And like, yeah. I, I just can't wait. I can't wait for this weekend. It's going to be freaking great. Yep. We're really excited for college football there's a couple of other games as well i think there's like an smu and memphis game memphis hasn't played for a month so that could be interesting to keep an eye on uh, while you maybe wait on a couple of other games old miss and kentucky is going to be a really important game uh this weekend as well uh, mississippi state and arkansas can arkansas keep up that energy and then you know can mississippi state do it again can they go out and be ridiculous uh, for a second straight you know week in a row all that joe burrow talk they did that last year over 14 games. So if somebody's going to beat Joe Burrow, they have to – they're not going to qualify as Joe Burrow until they do it for 14 straight weeks. You know what I mean? So Kentucky in another week or um, – I'm sorry, uh, Mississippi State in another week. Uh, we'll see how uh, how good they are coming off of a big emotional win. Yeah. Man, I can't wait. Right, Let's do this. Um, all right, Spencer. I mean, that's all I got. All right, well, we, uh, he's Robbie, I'm Spencer, two friends, one love, uh, and that is college football. We'll catch you on the flip-flop later.